recording at Title One Studio in Sandy, Utah. You're listening to Season 3 of Stunning. Hello, I'm the Silver Dollar Man. And I'm Taisha Osler. We're chatting with Craig Franick with Coldwell Banker. So, Craig, tell us what sparked your interest in real estate. I got interested in real estate because my wife and I had been moving around the country, as we were just talking about. And it's a fascinating subject. Housing, what people are willing to spend on housing, where people want to live. And so with kind of that fascination, it really just led me to want to share my experience that I've had living in Utah and the different cities. And I think those experiences of being in Holiday or Sandy or Park City are just something unique because I don't come from here and I see these areas as different than a lot of people that may have lived here all their life. Yeah, absolutely. You said we were talking before, so you've lived in um, Ohio California, DC, DC, and now you're here in Utah. So yeah, I think that gives you a really good perspective. In each of those areas, the housing is different. What people want from the housing is different. The way people treat their houses is different. It's just fascinating to me. And again, that's when I come back to real estate. Like I look at all of those things from that outsider perspective of, okay, what do I want in a house and how can I help? people find what they want in a house or in a location. Yeah, that's Let's start out with, then let's start out with sellers. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges sellers are faced with in the market today and how can you help them overcome that? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that most sellers face is either misinformation or not having enough information about their property. They know a lot about their property as we've talked about in the past, but they really don't put that into perspective of, okay, it was, What's their current situation? What do they really need from their house? And all of that wraps down to price. Okay, are they being realistic with what the value of their home is in its current state? Have they maintained it? Have they done updates? Have they let it slide? You know, what's happening in the market? Has Have we seen increased interest rates? And so again, I think that's where sellers are really at. It's the expectation that their home may be worth one thing, but it really, from a buyer's perspective, it's worth something very different. And that could be higher or it could be lower, again, depending on the property. And so for me, a lot of it is helping set those expectations of what a home is worth and then showing if they need something different in terms of value, how they can improve the value of their home, you know, with some minor changes here and there in order to increase it maybe to that point that they expect it to be at. Okay. Yeah, I know that when I sold my home initially, this is back east in Maryland, speaking of the East Coast, I had real estate agents that would tell me certain numbers and I didn't know any better. So I would say, great, that's great. But then when they couldn't come up with that, then I ended up losing money because I had my house sit on the market longer. And it made you mad that they're probably telling you one thing and then something completely different is happening. You're showing it, you're staging it, you're opening it up to people to come in and you're spending all of this time and you're not getting an offer. And then maybe when that offer comes in, it's way below what you expect. And so mentally you're like, I can't even look at that. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I try to reason, okay, here is what homes around yours have sold for. Here is what they look like. Here's what yours look like. Here's what I think the value is. But at the end of the day, as a real estate agent, I don't set the value. You set the value of your home, and I help you try to achieve that if that's possible. Like that, and I think being in having experience in different areas probably helps with that as well in determining 
what the home values are in that area. And I like to think that, but again, at the end of the day, I come back to what the seller wants from their home. And then I see if that's realistic, because again, like I said, I, I'm not signing the documents. I'm not selling the house. I'm helping whoever owns the house do that type of stuff. So for me, it's about honesty. Yeah. And if I can't be honest, if I feel like there's something holding me back, which again, I don't have any issue being honest, then I feel guilty. So again, for me, it's about honesty with my transactions and working with people. I think that's a great attitude to go into any transaction with. So I love that. Um, So, you know, once you get things on the market and you've determined the place where you need to be with the seller. What are some of the things that you do to market a property to potential buyers? Yeah, there's a lot of things. And each house has its own kind of marketing plan. It needs its own thing that makes it pop. So I've had one property where I've brought in a food truck to generate traffic. On another property, we may do some type of gift card promotion. I do a lot of social around those events to try to drive buzz on the property to get people to come to the property to see it. Because At the end of the day, it's about getting buyers through your house, getting that traffic. And hopefully one of those individuals steps back and says, wow, this is really it for me. The other things that I like to do is I'd like to include floor plans. You know, it's amazing how many buyers they want to be able to see their furnishings inside of those homes. And so having those floor plans, feeling the flow of the property and seeing, okay, what can I do with it if I need to change it? Can I take down this wall? Can I do something else? It makes a big deal. So floor plans is another thing that I like to include. Like videos, detours, those types of things all fit into the my marketing plan. Again, each house has to be unique because every house has something that's special about it, whether it's the location, whether it's the house, whether it's the renovation that somebody just completed. Again, they're all unique. I love that. Yeah, that's so true. Everything has its own little spark. So. <laughs> And it's finding what that spark is in each property and then helping somebody else see, okay, this is how I take that and then make it mine. Yeah. We talked about, you've talked about some of the things that distinguish yourself and some of the marketing tools that you use. What do you find to be some of the most effective or possibly some of the most effective ways to market a house that the homeowner doesn't get? By that, is the most useful to them? To answer what, I think homeowners still think there's value in, and I've been told by other agents there's no value in it, (laughs) or there's value in it, but it's not the value that homeowners think it is. But honestly, I think open houses are critical. In the first weekend, open house is critical to a property. And that's because people can get excited about it. They can come see the property. And so how do you really set up a house in order to get the most bang for your buck that first weekend. And unfortunately, I'm a terrible person, terrible real estate agent. I love asking my clients, can you leave the house for a weekend? Can you go (laughs) on a vacation? I know this is going to be inconvenient, but I'd rather get one or two offers this weekend and show it all weekend long versus having to have you disappear for a couple hours here or there or multiple weekends in a row. So again, anything I can do to make that time go faster for them, I think is important. So is having an open house important? No, you don't have to have an open house. Do you have to have great photos? No. Do you have to have social activity? Do you have to have a lot of these things that we're doing to market a property, to sell a property? No. Do you have to clean your house? No. You don't have to do these things. But if you're not going to do these things, then think about your price. Mm. Because... 
time, energy, all comes back to price at the end of the day. I love that you're setting those expectations because I think you're right. It's so true. And also depending on the market, sometimes sellers are not going to have to do as much as they would in one market as they do maybe in a market like we have now. Yeah, and it's definitely changed from last spring to this spring. You could sell anything for almost any price last spring, which would have been the spring of 2022. You, I saw so many houses that were on locations that I would be... I'm not going to say dissatisfied taking a client to, but on a major corner or a major road that hadn't been updated or it had been flipped and it was the highest price home on the road now. So not saying that I wouldn't take a client to them, but a client would really have to want to live in that place because we could probably find that same house somewhere else. It might be a little bit more expensive than living on a main street, but I think a lot of times people two to three, four years in, they're like, oh. I think I made a big, bad decision in choosing to live on a major road. And that, and at the end of the day, for me, I want my people to be happy. I'd like to hear from them next year or a few years down the road, but I want them to be happy first off. And so if they're not happy within a few years, then I didn't do something that I should have done. Yeah. And I think it's probably good to help them see that circumstances change too. Maybe what works right now doesn't work then, but... They've got you. They can come back and say, okay, we're ready to make a change again. So, and, and it like I said, it disheartens me when I found out, like I've had a couple of clients recently that have come back after a year and said, yeah, this isn't the house we really thought it was going to be. We love everything about the house and it was right for us when we bought it. But now we're realizing that it's not the right house and we'd like to do something different. And again, that that's fine. I feel bad about it, of course, because it's okay. We didn't get there the first time, but we go and we do it a second time. Yeah. Well, speaking of that dissatisfaction, so what do you think is the biggest mistakes that buyers and sellers make? Yeah. So the biggest mistake or the thing that I want most people to know straight up is engage the right resources at the right time. Because if you wait until you're ready to do something, then you might make a mistake in what you purchase. So number one, always consult with a lender early in the process. Even before you open up, you know, that Zillow website to start searching for homes, open, you know, email a lender, find out what you're qualified for, start setting those expectations so you can start really investigating, okay, this is what I can afford and here's the price range that I should be looking in. Because if you set that expectation that you can afford one thing and at the end of the day, you can really only afford something different, then you might not be able to achieve those expectations and you get disheartened. Yeah. Or vice versa. You can afford a whole lot more than what you thought you might be able to afford. So then you can start adding in things to your list, to your want list that you might not have thought you could get. So again, always consult the experts early in the process for sellers. Don't wait until the week that you're ready to list your property. If you're waiting till the week that you want to get your property listed, it's going to be really hard for an agent to get the most money out of your property. For me, again, it's about having a marketing plan, getting that marketing plan set up and ready to go for when we get your house listed. And then for you, it's the expectations. How do we stage your house in a way that, again, can help you get the most money from it when you go to sell it? Now, if you just care about price at the end of the day and you're willing to adjust price to not have the same quality of marketing or 
get the same money out of your property at the end of the day, fine. See, come call me and I'll get it listed in the week. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what I really want for you. I'd much rather you get as much out of your property as you could. What do you think is a good time frame if somebody was going to look to sell to prepare to sell their home? I know there's always a, every house is different, but like you say, you try to sell all of a sudden you say, oh yeah, we want to sell, but there's so much prep that goes into selling a house. And that's every house is different. So mm-hmm. if you've maintained your house and I'm going to say maintained your house in a way that you've uh, fixed leaky faucets, or you're the kind of person that, you know, fixes something when something breaks. So it's a well-maintained house, three weeks, two to three weeks is probably a good time frame. A lot of people probably argue with me that isn't enough time frame to get the house staged and ready. But if you're somebody that maintains your home and you take care of it, I'm going to guess that you're probably somebody also that has your home in a status or in a place that we could easily get it listed in a couple of weeks. If your house has deferred maintenance or you want to get top dollar from your home, that could be two to three months. Because what I'm going to come in is I'm going to say you probably want to have your carpet done. You'll want to have your paint done. You might want to replace your countertops. We need to pull some of your furniture out. We need to bring some furniture in. And again, that that additional time in a house that either has deferred maintenance or you want to get top dollar on, it takes a little bit more time to get those houses ready. And maybe two to three months, maybe four weeks if you move quickly. But again, that four weeks means you're really busy for two of those weeks because I need two weeks to get the photos done, the videos done, all of the marketing materials created. And so again, you're going to be busy. And if you're okay with it, that's fine. But again, you're still in that four-week four window. But maybe an average is check with your realtor three months ahead of time, and then you can assess from there. Yeah, if you don't know, yeah, I think that's a great rule. Three months, call a real estate agent, have a quick conversation with them, send them some pictures and say, hey, here's what my house looks like. Invite them over, have them come see your house. Uh, so that for sellers, that might be a good rule, but give us at least three weeks. Yeah. If you try to short any less than that, then again, we can't really help you get the most out of your house that you could get. And I think on the other side of it with buying, I think you've already started to touch on some things that are really important for buyers there. Nothing worse than falling in love with a house that you can't afford. So (laughs) get check with your mortgage person and maybe three months is a good time frame for that as well. But what are your thoughts on advice you'd give to someone looking to buy their first home? You know, buying your first home, again, talk to a lender. That could be a year out. It really depends on how comfortable you are with your finances. If you're on top of your finances and you know what's going on, I think two to three months is plenty of time in order to get that situated. If you're somebody that isn't that great with finances, talk to your lender probably six months to a year before you're really starting to think about looking for a house. That way you can start setting expectations around what a good budget for you is. And it sometimes it's not about budget. Sometimes it's about having the right documents in order to be able to qualify. Like small business owners, for example. As a small business owner, a lot of times you want to keep a lot of that money in your business and you may not pay yourself much. And so, you know, if you're not paying yourself much at the end of the day, the lender is going to look at how much you pay yourself in order to qualify you for a loan, which means you might qualify at a much lower loan than if you have if you have six to 12 months in order to change that ratio of how much money you keep in the business versus how much you pay yourself. So again, it really just depends on your scenario and how comfortable you are with your finances. Yeah. 
Excellent. You seem to enjoy what you're doing. How do you even get into real estate? What spurred that? Talking with my wife a lot about real estate. I mean, so we so we've had a couple investment properties. I like renovating houses. The house that we generally buy generally is a well-maintained house. They've been ranches, it seems like. When we get in there, the maintenance, knowing a house has been maintained means I don't have to do anything drastic immediately. And so we can live in a house and we can renovate it as we have time and energy. And so I think just just loving houses and real estate and the economics of real estate. And again, it's so interesting finding out what people like and what they want and then helping them translate that into, okay, this is what I get at the end of the day. So I think it's just all of those things that make it a fascinating subject. I liked what you said about just taking your time with when you have time and energy to do the renovations or the upkeep. I think that, you know, depending on what your investing plan is with real estate, it can be a long-term game. It is. It is. So no need to rush into spending a lot of money or time if you're not quite sure exactly what you want to do yet. Settle in, enjoy it. And that's it. I mean, for people that are wanting to buy a house to flip, that are moving into a house that they want to renovate. Sorry, I don't really mean flip, but they want to renovate and they want to do big things with. You need time. You need to live in a house. You need to see what function doesn't work. Because if you don't know what function doesn't work, then you might end up spending a lot of money changing something that still doesn't work at the end of the day. And so I know in my house, I've probably gone through three or four plans, three or four versions of what I think I need. And then pairing that back to, I think this will actually work as well, if not better than what I thought originally. And again, an architect can help you with those types of things. I'm not going to say a real estate agent can because we're not qualified enough to be able to tell you that. But what we might be able to help with is I had one client and the thing that I realized about his house that as we were trying to sell it, the one thing that everybody complained about and we knew it up front was it doesn't have, it didn't have a yard, didn't have a yard. Well, it had a yard, but it was a little yard off to the side and there was no easy access to the yard. So as we were selling his house, I'm sitting in there and I'm thinking, what could we do in order to make your property more exciting to people? Again, raising the value of your property up. It's like you could open up this window. You have this giant three bay window in this room that you could build a small patio or a porch off of and direct access to your yard. And it would feel like, I'll say a California open style ranch house if you did something of this nature. And I'm like, but you've got to spend the money to do it. And at the end of the day, we decided that it wasn't worth it to him to do it. But to me, it's like always ideating on properties of, okay, what would make this more exciting? Yeah. So I, and I don't know this, if this is something you can do as a realtor in that situation. Are you able to market it that way? Yeah. If I'm holding an open house, I will communicate those things. I'll be like, I've spent a lot of time here. If this was my place and I was really wanting to get some extra things out of it, yeah, you might think about this. You might think about this. Again, from a structural, from a city planning, from those types of things, I have no knowledge of those, nor could I educate you on whether or not you could do these things. But one of the things I've learned in my life is if you have enough money and you're willing to spend it, 
anything is possible. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. And that's it. So it, it just comes down to, are you willing to spend it? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> you mentioned your your wife. Is she involved in the business with you? Only that she gives me good advice. <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I'll share statements with her or I'll share yeah. what's going on. Because again, when I'm working with somebody, it feels like they're family. Yeah. And so I use them as a first name basis when we're talking with her. And so she gets a little bit invested. And so I'll share what's going on in the process. And she'll, again, coach me because she's way smarter than I am. She'll coach me on how we might approach something. And then negotiating, you know, her background is negotiating contracts for the federal government. And so... That's probably why you were in D.C. It is one of the reasons we were in D.C., yes. Yeah. So we... For her, she's got a lot more experience and game theory experience, economics, game theory. And so for her, she'll think through a problem very differently than I'll think through a problem. And so it's good to be able to balance ideas against her, you know, when we're, when we're doing things from a client perspective around negotiating, you know, selling price, due diligence, financing and appraisal. So it's always interesting to hear what her thought would be on those scenarios. What's one of the things she'd say about you in, in terms of. Yeah. So she will tell anybody, don't talk to him about real estate. <laughs> Literally don't bring up real estate because he'll just, he'll talk and he'll share things with you that you may not want to know or that you may not have asked. And I think I was talking with somebody else and that's probably one of my biggest deficits is a person is I rabbit hole on things. If you've heard that expression mm -hmm. before, I deep dive really deep, really quick. And so don't ask me about real estate, but what she'll tell you is I will honestly, I will be very honest with you because at the end of the day, it's not about me. This is only about you and how to help you get what you need out of your transaction. Yeah. So don't ask you about real estate unless you're looking for a good realtor. Then talk to Craig. Yes. about <laughs> real estate because he'll deep dive and do what he needs to help you get where you need to be. Sure. You can say that <laughs> if you like. So you've lived in all these different places. You've lived in several different places here in Utah. What is it about Utah that's keeping you here that you love? What are some of the things that you would want to tout Utah for? The sun. I tell everybody at the end of the day, we moved to Utah from the Midwest because of the sun. I don't know how many days. I'm definitely going to get this wrong, so don't quote me. <laughs> There's 300 days of sunshine here, or 320 days of sunshine here. It's something ridiculous. In Ohio, it's 200. Huh. And so when you think about the mindset, to me, the sun is what draws me back to Utah. Housing prices for what you get here, it's very reasonable. For somebody, if you're into the outdoors, if you unfortunately, again, work in a well-earning job, Again, there's lots of opportunity here. The governor touts that this is an amazing state because of the amount of business that's happening here. But honestly, you know, what our government has done in Utah is very unique compared to what in some of the other states that I have lived in, in terms of attracting companies to Utah and growing what you have here. And so, again, there's a lot of great things about Utah, which is why we moved here a second time. And why we bought a property in Park City when we weren't living here. Again, because we just think that, you know, Utah has a lot of pros that, again, you're now seeing over the last two years of why now you see all these additional people coming. They're starting to learn that Utah is phenomenal. 
Speaking of phenomenal, Craig, thanks for sharing some of your expertise with our listeners. Until next time, what should the listeners do, Silver Dollar Man? <laughs> Dave Stoney. 